Hello, everybody. What's up? What's up? Welcome to the first episode of Table Talks with Tommy. And today, for the first episode, we are going to be entering the um, book club segment of my podcast. Why is there a book club segment? Because I like books and this is my podcast. If you have to ask any more of these questions, don't. So, to begin with this book club um, section of the podcast, I want to um, talk about one of my favorite like books of all time. It's a book of poems titled No Matter the Wreckage. Um, it's a collection of poems by Sarah Kay, one of my favorite poets of all time. She's goaded, and if you don't think so, your opinion's wrong. Because if you've ever seen any of her performances or read any of her poetry, she's great. Period. Anyways, moving on. Um, I loved this. I love this book for a multitude of reasons. Um, one of them because it's written by one of my favorite poets of all time. Another one is because it kind of changed the way I view poetry, um, right? Because I read all the like the ones they teach you in school, like the Robert Frost and the Edgar Allan Poe's and the, you know, like all of those kinds of poems. The um, the ones, the classical poems the new age ones, the ones that people are putting out today, they're a little different than what I've expected. And one of my first poets that I've ever like encountered when it comes to like new age poetry was Sarah Kay. And so her poems, like, I don't know, they, they touched a place in me that I didn't know I had when it came to poetry. Um, and so, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm going, I'm um, talking about this book out of any book to talk about. Right. So titled No Matter the Wreckage, Book of Poems by Sarah Kay. Um, this book is broken up into six sections. No, I'm wrong. That's completely wrong. Let me try again. Uh, one, two, three. Nine sections. It's broken up into nine sections. Yes, you just heard me count them. It's broken up into nine sections and we're going to go section by section. So this first book is going to be like broken up into basically nine episodes. They're not going to be that long since the sections aren't that long, but they also can be pretty long because I talk a lot. This is why I have this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so moving into section one, if you've got if you have the book and I'll find somewhere to link um the book as well so if anyone wants to join me in my dive back into it they can um but if you and if you already have it that's awesome too so just you can open it up to the first section um love poem number 137 is the first poem in the book and i think that's pretty awesome to start a book with a love poem it seems like i don't know a part of me is like wow how typical of a book of poetry to start with a love poem but then it's also like it's a poetry book titled no matter the wreckage right on the cover it's a lady playing an accordion on a boat that looked like it's sinking right shout out to the art too by the way i don't know who did the art um cover art by anise mohani i hope i pronounced that right but yeah shout out you um for the art but yeah to start off a poetry book with a love poem is partially like oh how typical but for this one in for this one in like particular it's like why right but then you read it right you read love poem number 137 and you see why it's, it's such a soft way to start off a book titled no matter the wreckage like with a title like that you you expect some hard-hitting heartbreaking like some some sad kind of stuff about you picking up the pieces of your life and moving on right like that's 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 what i expected at least but love poem number 137 completely like um what's the word i can't think of the word but you know it, it kind of threw away my it undercut my expectations i'm trying to think of the word but i, I know what it is but i can't i can't think of it to save my life um if someone knows the word please help me out but yeah poem is great um, it starts off, I wake you up early and then it ends with like the reason why, you know? Um, and I think that's awesome because it's like that, the whole cyclical, you know, thing that, that you see a lot in poetry, right? You see like repetition, you see onomatopoeia, you see idioms, hyperbole, 
this like cycle cyclical thing where it's like you begin one way and then cycle back to it at the end and finish it that way is is i think it's super 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 awesome um but yeah some of the lines in it are amazing too uh for the second stanza it starts like i will leave pennies in your pockets postage stamps of you superheroes in between the pages of your books sugar packets on your kitchen counter i will hansel and gretel you home that stanza is very dense but it's it's evenly spaced out if that makes sense as well because if you read it every word kind of flows into the next one like there's really not any pauses any noticeable pauses or long lengthy pauses the rhythm of it is very good and i like that line i will hansel and gretel you home because it's a bar period if you know anything about the story of hansel gretel you understand why that's a bar anyways moving on um the line i will love you with too many commas but never any asterisks is a great way to say like unconditionally like i'll love you unconditionally almost almost right um because it's like you you know what asterisk an asterisk is like the little star thing where it's just like you know like including it on the side whereas with the comma it's like i'm including it inside of it um so i will love you with too many commas and you know i think that's awesome too um the next stanza i i noted down the use of s's um it's not necessarily alliteration but if you if you read that stanza like there will be more sweat than you're used to more skin more words than are necessary you can as you speak it you could feel the the bit of it right so smooth and flowing and i think that's awesome that's an amazing amazing stanza as well um but yeah love poem number 137 it's a very real love poem in my opinion because sometimes you can hear or read love poems and they're some hyperbole or some great exaggeration of love and its capabilities right the phrase i love you to the moon and back is a very common one Right, love is always this, always been this romanticized, um, this 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 romanticized thing that people try to like build up to be something that, well, in in all in all intents and purposes, it can be like if you love someone enough, it can feel like you love them to the moon and back. But it's like this poem, love poem number one thirty seven, it like bases love in the real world in our real lives in our every in our day-to-day lives how about that let me say that instead in our day-to-day lives love poem number 137 takes place because after the s stanza it's like my hair in the shower drain my smell on your sweaters bobby pins all over the window seals like come on now like if that's not every day i don't know what is um because i leave hair in the shower drain like smells on sweaters bobby pins all over the window seals like come on now that's that's excellent just excellent um love poem number 137 the title itself also is is very curious to me because number 137 you've written 136 love poems before this i'm not doubting it because it's entirely possible as a poet like myself um i've written at least 10 maybe more i haven't numbered them but I feel like by the time I'm Sarah Kay's age or older, I've probably I'll probably have written more than twenty, more than thirty, right? One hundred and thirty-seven is totally, po- totally possible. Um, one thing I I wanted to note about this is like, um, it's almost like a a list, a listing. It's almost like a a resume is the word that wants to that that wants to come to mind. Like like she's pitching her love style to this new person, right? Because it's like, you will say, can't we just sleep in? And I will say, no, trust me, you don't want to miss a thing, right? And with it being love poem number 137, you can trust and believe that she's probably fell in love before and did these things for people or discovered that these are the ways that she loved and is now on this new person who is like, like this is this is how I love you. This is this is how I love you. Is basically how how the poem goes, and I think it's awesome. Very very um, intimate in a way that I didn't expect it to be. 
love poem. Very interesting, very different. But yeah, awesome. I love it. Excellent. Moving on to the next one. The next poem in the first section is titled Subway. Um, and it's about subways in New York. I've only visited New York once. I don't live there. Um, so anybody that lives there probably has way more experience with their subways than I do. I've only rode the train there like once or twice and it was it leaves its it leaves its um it leaves its impression on you I'll, I'll i'll tell you that um very like all the movies and tv shows you see of like new york subways and all that people say about them it's like yeah you could you could enter a new york subway and be like yeah this is this is exactly what people talk about you know um but the the poem the poem titled subway in sarah k's thing in Sarah Kay's book is a very good one. It's um, very sensory oriented, right? Whereas the love poem number 136, it has some sensory imagery, but it's mostly like object imagery. Um, but with this one, the subway, right? It's very, like I said, sensory. It's very actiony as well, by the way, like the rainfall slips and hits flies splattering Right. Like we know we all know what like rain splattering feels like. We know what it looks like. We know what it sounds like. I don't I don't I, I don't, though, see the word splattering used like in any official um, context like this, though. Like I've, the word splattering, I've read it in a book maybe no more than 10 times because it's, it's such a odd word that is more of a sound than it than it is like an actual word. You know what I'm saying? Like splattering. It's one of those kinds of words. Um, yeah, but the imagery is astounding. Um, a line in the second stanza says like, stand with me so that we may peer through the cracks in the grate and see the souls of New York pass by. That's a bar. I like, come on. That 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 is a bar, bro. Come on. Put some respect. Listen, um, the word peer is an excellent word choice because um, she could have just as easily used see or look or gaze, but she used peer. And that adds a certain, like, you know, certain weight to it. Um, and the cracks in the grate to see the souls of New York pass by, that's a bar. The whole souls of New York thing, because, like, haha, souls like people, haha, souls like shoes, double entendre. It's a bar. Um, and then she ends it with like the strips of dark blue evening streaked above the whir of metal. Like imagine standing in a New York subway, looking up through a grate, seeing the evening sky stri striped blue, dark blue to indicate that it's evening time. Excellent, excellent imagery. Um, all, all built within this context of like a subway, of a New York subway at that. Right. Something you who's writing poems about New York subways. Like I growing up, poems were supposed to be about love and nature and and heartbreak and, and stuff like that, you know. But here here is a poem about the beauty or about the experience of a New York subway. And I think that's awesome. Um, the next one is titled The Oak Tree Speaks, and it's like preluded with a line from the Manhattan mini storage billboard, which is like raising a baby in NYC is like growing an oak tree and a thimble. And if you know what an oak tree is, and you know what a thimble is, you understand like what they're trying to say with that line. Like it's it's a hard thing to do, nearly impossible. Uh, and I like that that's the line she used because she could have always said, so. she could have said, you know, you know, the typical like, line to denote something that's nearly impossible like finding a needle in a haystack that kind of thing she could have been um cliche but she wasn't and i think that's excellent i think that's a big problem that poets um have a hard time with me personally too with their with my writing is is cliches because they work they're cliches for a reason it's because people use them because they work all the time but there's a beauty in not being cliche. There's an excellence there. And I think that's what separates, you know, good poets from great poets, good writers from great writers is that 
they don't write cliches. They make cliches. You know what I'm saying? Like they write the stuff that people will then move on to use over and over, which then become cliches in of itself. That's that's greatness. And I think Sarah Kay has that. Um, but the Oak Tree Speaks is a very. The first word that came to mind is um, not was bitter, but not bitter in the way that like, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. But bitter as in kind of reflecting on your past and acknowledging how hard it was bitter like dang i can't believe i grew up like that or dang this is how i grew up like so maybe so maybe bitter isn't the word right it's very factual it's brutal in the way that it doesn't cut any corners um you have a poem titled the oak tree speaks you can go a lot of different directions with it but the direction she goes is a very um realistic one it's very like very real um and that's what i'll say about all her poems they're very real life um if you've ever lived like a day-to-day in a city or some or something close to it you understand like this is this is what she's um this is what she's talking about there's a line in this poem the oak tree the oak tree speaks that i marked as a bar um it's the first like official stanza of like the poetry because she has she has like a list in here too like one two three all the way to um all the way to 16 and it's like intersped with uh stanzas of, of poetry even though like the list itself is a is, is a bit of a poem um but the line that I, I i lined as like a bar is the one in the second stanza where she says my love sucked the glass till his teeth were marbles rolled himself down the subway stairs hopped onto the tracks waited that's so good that is so good. Listen to me. Listen to me. Sucked the glass till his teeth were marbles, right? And then we're continue. We're continuing with this with with this idea of marbles, right? Marbles is the last thing in our head. What do marbles? What do marbles do? They're they're, they're little small spherical things, and if you pour them out onto the floor, what do they do? They roll, and that's how she starts her next sentence. Rolled himself down the subway stairs. Right. That's a bit of a double entendre in of itself because we're relating him to like this marble. Right. But we're also um, referencing like the behaviors of drunks. Right. Drunk people don't step. They stumble. They stagger. Right. Drunk people don't don't necessarily walk. They kind of roll, you know. Um, and so he rolled himself down the subway stairs. Right. And when you, when you say like roll down the subway stairs, it's like if you roll like a marble down the subway stairs, that kind of like bounces off the stairs, right? Kind of like donk, 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 kind of like that. So that gives me the image in my head of this dude who rolls himself like a marble down the stairs. He doesn't care that he might be bouncing off the steps. He doesn't care how he gets there. He just you roll. When you roll, you can't really stop your you can't really stop something from rolling unless you unless you like put a brake on it, right? Um, and then that last one, per- like hopped under the tracks, period, waited, period. That's crazy. I love it. Um, excellent. Um, this poem feels very matter of fact. Say what you will about like exaggeration and creating stuff that uh, might not have happened. This feels like something that did happen. It's, it feels like she's speaking from experience, whether it's hundred percent literal or hundred percent or like a, or a mixture either way it makes it makes its point about these oak trees and 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 growing up in new york um right because when i was a teenager so she's she's a teenager and this dude a boy who i can who i can guess is a teenager as well is drinking himself into a stupor to where he has to roll himself down the subway stairs um and then the, the next stanza, when she gets back to like speaking or writing, is like, he turned his face a prayer wheel, which I don't, I don't know, I don't know what a prayer wheel is. I can Google it, but I don't want to Google it. You can Google it. I don't know what a prayer wheel is, but I'm going to like assume it fits. A prayer wheel atop his neck, a smile so foreign, I cannot speak its language. And I want to, I want to bring attention to that, like, 
a smile so foreign I cannot speak its language. I've had that happen to me countless times where you're interacting with someone and they find joy in things that you just don't understand, right? Like it's a joy foreign to you. It's a smile so foreign I cannot speak its language. I can't smile with you because I don't understand what you're smiling at, you know? And then it goes on. She goes on to say like like water running, running, like water running in reverse. Let me fix that. He spilled himself up to safety. That's a bar. That's a bar. Dude, that's a bar. I don't know what else to tell you. Like water running in reverse. He spilled himself up to safety. I can just. She could have said he hauled himself up. She could have said he pulled himself up. She could say he had a hard time getting up off of the tracks. Right. She could have said all those things. But instead, she chose to say like water running in reverse. He spilled himself up to safety. That is excellent. So excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah, continuing on with this. Um, and, and this is where I think it gets the, to the point, like the, the meat of the, of the poem, like why it's titled The Oak Tree Speaks, why, she's been, why she gave you this example of this dude that she was in love with who almost got hit with a train, willingly, by the way. In New York, when a tree dies, nobody mourns that it was cut down in its prime. That's the line of the, of the uh, stanza to end the page, right? Of, in New York, when a tree dies, nobody mourns that it was cut down in its prime. Nobody counts the rings, notifies the loved ones. There are other trees. There are other trees. Like, come on, come on, bro. She's pointing at so many things that it took me so long to realize. Like, there are other trees is just pointing to the fact that New York City is so populated. Like, there's so many people in there that when a tree dies, nobody mourns that it was cut down in its prime. It's just another tree. There are other trees, right? If I, if, if I like, um, give away a dollar, it's like, I don't, I don't, if, if, if I get, if I get a dollar stolen away, it's like, okay, I gotta, I just, someone just stole a dollar from me. It doesn't matter if I have 10 more, right? It's kind of like that. Um, we can squeeze in one more, mind the tourists, like continuing in this, the stanza. Also that mind the tourists thing, I think that, I think that was deliberate. I mean, oh, well, everything in this poem is probably deliberate, but the mind the tourists, I think is very specific and very unique of um, people that live in big cities like New York, right? Um, I know a lot of people from New York. I have a bunch of friends from New York and they say sort of the same things about like tourist traps and tourists in general, like they don't know the city. Like people moved in New York with this idea of like like this tourist mindset and they kind of mess mess up the culture because of it. Right. New York. It kind of it kind of feels like what she's saying in and this is just my interpretation of it. Right. So what I kind of feel like she's saying, we can always squeeze in one more. Mind the tourists is that. um, There is more care being put towards the tourists than it is to the people that live there actually is what I think she's trying to say. Right. And then, and then it, and then the, it ends, the stanza ends with the line in italics. It's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. Like nobody's asking you to live here. Like I, I could just imagine what that must feel like. And it's, it's in italics because I feel like she's been told this before. I feel like this is a quote from somebody and it just landed all kinds of distasteful, right? It's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there kind of thing. Like, you want to say that about my home, about the place I was born and raised? Who are you? We don't even want you living here in the first place, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, it's a very... I don't, I I don't even know, I don't even know the word to, um, I don't even know the word to describe it, but I just, I just like it. I like the feel of it as well. Um, like I said, she's, she has these lists, this list throughout the poem, she gets to 13, number 13, right? So she gets one, two, three, four, so on and so forth to 13, backpack through the metal detector and then 14, 15, 16 are all blank. And you're like, why are these last three ones blank? Right. And then in the last stanza of the poem, which is why I which is where I think she kind of answers like 14, 15, 16. 
For years, we went and watched movies where they destroyed New York. The aliens never take Kansas, we joked. They go straight for the heart. Poor Kansas. All cornfields and skyworks. All apple pie. Nobody to notice if it's missing. Just all that open space to grow in. And I think that kind of like encaptures the poem and the title pretty much in itself. Like nobody to notice if it's missing. Just all that open space to grow in. Right. And this is this is where I um, this is where the word bitter comes from. Right. Just all that open space to grow in. When you when you use a word like when you use a word like just in a sentence, you're trying to like make a point about something. And she's making a point about all the open space people in Kansas have, right? Because, you know, people that live in some suburban areas, they always have these um, ideas about big cities from movies and television, right? All these ideas about New York. And she she references it. She's like, you know, um, we wouldn't watch movies where they destroy New York because New York's always getting destroyed. It's always getting attacked by aliens or invaded or, or destroyed or bombed or buildings falling down right like new york gets attacked in movies and in real life um so i can only imagine how hard it is to live to live there because new york breeds a special um special type of person special type of people they're amazing i think i think new yorkers are awesome um jaded is another word that i that i wrote down that i that i would like to bring up jaded um just because it's like growing up in conditions like she's um kind of talking about how could you not right you're in love teenage teenage fantasy your teenage fantasy is um some dude the love of your life for at the time getting drunk in the subway and putting himself in front of the train tracks like what what are you kidding me um but yeah it's a very um inside the heart of a new yorker kind of kind of deal you know what i'm saying and i i love it i think it's awesome um yeah so that's the the oak tree speaks and you know i think in this one she is the oak tree right because referencing the the prelude like raising a baby in nyc is like growing an oak tree in a thimble she's she grew up in new york she she is the oak tree Right. And now listen to the oak tree as it as it speaks. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Awesome poem. Moving on to the next one. This is a classic. The toothbrush to the bicycle tire. Um, she's performed this a bunch of times. I've watched a lot of these performances. I'm a fan. OK, look, I'm a fan. I'm not a, I'm not ashamed. I'm, am I a Sarah K. Stan? Maybe. OK, look, that's why I'm doing this book. So toothbrush to the bicycle tire is a classic. It's great. It deserves to be put in a museum somewhere. Um, it deserves to be taught in classes about poetry because it's so different. Listen, the toothbrush to the bicycle tire. You hear that title. What do you think? You bet you're not thinking it's a love poem because that's what it is. And it's one about unrequited love at that. It's this it's this toothbrush just just wanting after this bicycle tire. It's so crazy. But it's um, it's written in such a way that, yes, you can clearly tell it's a toothbrush talking to a bicycle tire. But you can also see parallels between the toothbrush um, and somebody like a real life person and the bicycle tire and a real life person. Right. Like the, f- the first two lines, they told me that I was meant for the cleaner life, that you would drag me through the mud. Is that not something you'd hear somebody tell you in real life? Some like your parents or your or your friend that like always like wishes for the best and is such a worrier and they like don't agree with who you're dating. They they would tell you that you're meant for better things, that this person's only gonna drag you through the mud. You see it in movies all the time with the whole like bad boy trope or like the whole like not so good kid ends up dating the like super uh successful preppy somebody who's destined for college and they're like this person's only gonna drag you down blah 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 i think it i think in the netflix show sex education this is a theme um not 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 the um yeah i think and i think this is a theme i'm pretty sure with jackson and someone else i'm 
uh, am I am I tripping? I might be tripping. I could be tripping. Oh, stumbling. Listen, um, it's a classic. It's one of the first poems I've ever read, period. Toothbrush to the bicycle tire. And it's crazy that I'm calling it a classic because, like, when you hear the word classic, you're thinking, like, oh, Robert Frost, like, Emily Dickinson, uh, you know, those guys. People that are, like, mostly dead. But the toothbrush to the bicycle tire, in my opinion, is a, is a, is a very good, very classic poem. It deserves to, like, be put on a wall somewhere just for just for it being itself. Um Yes, so this, this toothbrush is just wanting after this bicycle tire so much so that, like, they're willing to change who they are. They're willing to leave their home. Like, in, in one of the stanzas, it says, like, I will leave this porcelain home behind. In the stanza above that, it's, she says, I will fit into whatever spaces you let me. Like, I'm not that old. I'm only, like, 21 years old. But I have experienced a love like that where you're just like, I love the idea. I love the concept. I love you so much that I will fit into whatever spaces you let me because I just want to be in your life. I just want you in my life. Right. And arguments on like the the toxicity of it, the healthiness of this kind of thing, whatever. That's not the point. The point is that this toothbrush is telling a very relatable, unrequited love to this bicycle tire and i think that's awesome because how many love poems do you hear do you read about where the toothbrush wants the bicycle tire none boom period that's why it's a classic listen such an interesting take on unrequited love too by the way such an interesting take um the next poem new york june 2009 so this one is like these are like snapshots um of scenes probably that she's experienced in New York, right? New York, Ju- of New York in June in 2009. We're in July 2021, right? And the first one is like the man loading mannequins into the back of a truck in the rain. And then she just blows it up, right? She just blows it up and just gives you this close, um, uh, uh, magnified view of this scene that she just introduced us to. Like this dude loading mannequins in the back of the truck in the rain. We could have left, she could have left it at that and we would have got, we have the image in our head, right? It's this dude loading mannequins into the back of a truck in the rain. We, Our brains can fill in the, the rest on our own, but she decides to say like, forget that. Let me fill in the details for you with Excellent, excellent imagery. Um, one of the one of the lines I really, 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 really did enjoy was um, the dirty leather of his palms, like gentle tiger paws. Because if you see a tiger's paw, they're like dark brown, right? Um, if you've seen dirty, dirty leather, it's dark brown, right? But also, this alludes to the race of like whoever it is that's loading these mannequins, right? Because to have skin that's like dirty leather, that's like gentle tiger paws, right? It tells you who, who, it gives you the answers to questions you didn't think you needed to answer, right? Um, it's it's a great one. I, lo- I, lo- I love it, at least. Listen, um, <laughs> the imagery feels like the subway. It feels like a love if it feels okay look how what am i trying to say i'm trying to say in this poem new york june 2009 coming coming off of um the oak tree speaks right where it's telling you about like growing up in new york and like a tree cut down nobody cares because there's so many of them already and like making space for tourists and new york always being attacked coming off of that this feels like a um you 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 could feel the love that she has for new york in this in that first one because it's like who else is noticing these kinds of things if you don't love the place that you live in right if, when you love something you notice stuff like this all the time a tourist is not going to notice um this dude loading mannequins in the back of the truck not going to give them another glance but since she grew up here and she loves the city like there we go um the second one it even compounds it even more the man sitting on the fire hydrant at 39th and 8th 
name dropping streets first of all let it let you know like i live here what's up um you're not old enough to be my grandfather is an excellent way to like give us his age or at least an idea of his age your wrinkles tucked neatly into your plaid collared shirt that gives us ex oh, it's so good it's so good bro like what are you talking about listen um Where is it? The line at the end where it's like someone honks and you breathe in the sun baking you like a croissant in the midday light. You ever see you ever laid out in the sun, just sat in it and just basked in the sun. She could have said he basked in it. Right. He could have she could have said he, he bathed in the sun, something like that. But she said the sun baking you like a croissant in the midday light. Mm 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 mm. Ain't that just the best? You know what I'm saying? Ain't that just the ain't that just the best? Look, listen. I'm look, I'm just I'm just giving you what you wrote. And then the last one, the last time I apologized, boom, very different, right? Because the first two gave us these scenes with these dudes just doing, you know, everyday things. But this last one, the last time I apologized, right? Apologies are something that I think like poetry like uh what am I trying to say? Apologies are some are topics that I always thought poetry should be about, right? If you want to apologize in some crazy way, a poem is the way to do it. And so she goes with this third one, the last time I apologized, and like sets the scene. It's like, it was warm and I did not need a sweatshirt. We stopped in the middle of the block, right? You planted your feet firmly when I said your name. That gives us hints, clues as to the context of the situation. You planted your feet firmly when I said your name, right? And then um, it's like, and then she gives us these, um, sorry for the big pause. She gives us these, these external details, right? It's like, it's like, it's like, listen, listen. So she gives you the, all the details you need to know about her and her circle of where she is, right? It was warm. I didn't. Need, I didn't need a sweatshirt. Stopped in the middle of the block. A woman with a stroller pushed a bundle past us. You planted your feet firmly. We have the truck on the street. Right, down the block, a man in a dirty apron came outside for a smoke, lit a cigarette. She's giving us all these details about this scene, and it has nothing to do with an apology. Right. Because you go in thinking like, oh, she's going to tell us about this time that she apologized. There is no utterance about an apology. Right. There is nothing um, like there's nothing about her saying, I'm sorry. There's no sorry in here anywhere. We don't know who she's talking to. Right. We don't know any of that because what does it matter? This is about the scenery. This is about the things that she noticed, which is why I'm saying like this. I think she's in love. Like she's, she loves her city. She loves New York because it's like you start off with last time I apologize and you're not talking about the apology at all. You're talking about some dude in a dirty apron who goes outside for a smoke. Some dude in a dirty apron who goes outside for a smoke. Like that's what you that's what you put. Uh, that's what you bring everyone's attention to for a reason at that. I think it's awesome. Um, the next poem, the first poem in the imaginary book. Um, well, we have a real book in front of us and the first poem is not this poem. The first poem is a love poem, but this one, uh, titled the first poem in the imaginary book is a good one. Um, it starts off saying like, if it were me, when the book arrives, I would immediately start scanning pages to find any trace of me. And I think that's true. Listen, 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 listen. If you've ever dated an artist and broke up with them or ever dated somebody like a creative person and broke up with them and their art that and the art style that they used to express themselves was like dancing or music or, or writing. If you saw that they had put something out alluding to some emotional situation would you not listen to that song for any traces of you would you not read that book for any traces of you would you not watch this dance and see if it has any meaning towards you right 
sure and sure it might be the ego talking right like sure it might be whatever um but it's true it's very real i would too swear i swear to god like if if i dated any poet singer songwriter i would be like okay so this line is about me oh this line is about me like you know what i'm saying um like because when because when you create you put your life into that you know what i'm saying so it's totally understandable for for traces of somebody to be in the pages of a book or in the lines in the lyrics of a song right if you see it in celebrity relationships all the time um but regular people it's different because you're not celebrities you're just somebody that was in my life once upon a time um and then she goes on to be like um i would pretend to be horrified if i found evidence of myself but really i would pray to find even a single mention because i think that's and i think she says that because it's like people like to um like to be like reaffirmed that they mattered in someone's life whether it was like through an ex or a current situation like if you know that they put out this book and they have a poem on love, I'd want the love poem to be about me. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. So you love me so much that you wrote a poem. That's awesome. Or even the opposite. You hated me so much that you wrote about it. I hurt you so much that you wrote about it. Like those kinds of things. It, it play, it plays into your ego. It plays into that. Like I had an impact on someone's life. I'm real. I was, I was present and this is proof. Um, but yeah, um, the poem, this, this poem at least touches on all the, all the spectrums of it, the good, the bad, right? Um, and the, the last two lines, um, your fingerprints are on these pages. So many of your footsteps, let me try that again. Your fingerprints are on these pages. So many of your footsteps in the snow, right? Pre- to prelude that, to prelude that, maybe I should have started that, um, you do not need to look very hard to find your shadow here. You don't got you don't got to look that hard to see trace to find traces of yourself in these in, within these pages. Um, right. Um, and then she goes on to say, like, but in case you are like me, just in case you do still think about the way your hands used to piano key my spine. That's a bar. The way you would whisper spells into my ears when I was napping. The way I slipped notes into your jacket pockets. Just in case you wonder if all of those winks ever meant anything at all. Look, listen, listen, listen. I will tell you. Um, if there's one thing that creative people are, like artists, they're not liars. Um, they're not going to be out here lying about their life especially when it comes to stuff that really means something to them. They tell you the truth. All you got to do is be willing to listen, find traces of here, of that and this here and there. Um, They'll tell you, right? If you love, if someone, if you loved someone, right, broke up with them, they write about you, it's, it's probably in there. Like, they'll tell you. That's just how, that's just how it goes. Um, it's very personable, the first poem in a, an imaginary book. It 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 kind of it kind of tells it kind of says everything that some people would be too embarrassed to, to talk about, right? Because it um it says she's that in the middle, in between the I will never know and the and the I would pray to find even a single mention. Uh, she like touches on the fact that like you may not you you may do nothing like that, like you you could not care. You may not even crack the spine. You may place this on the bookshelf or worse, under a stack of papers. You may forget it and regift it later to someone as a secret Santa. So she's like, yeah, you could totally not care. Like you could you could find a book written by your ex and be like, oh, that's neat. And not even not even care if there's any traces of yourself in it or not. Um, but the the thing about being being the artist to put this out right being being the person to to write about your love experiences and put it in a book you'll never know i'll never know like if i put a book out about love and heartbreak i'll never know if my ex decided to pick it up she won't know if there if her ex decides to pick it up right you just never know but it's you do it anyway you do it anyway
because that's just your life and that's the way that's the way it went um this poem feels very at peace with with the whole situation it's like after the fact after the pain and the hurt and the blah 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 it's all over and done with it's like yeah i finding proof of our history within the pages of these of of a poem is within the within the lines of a poem is is crazy um yeah so next poem mrs uh ribeiro i hope i'm pronouncing that right i tried to i like watch the youtube video like over and over and over and over to make sure i get the pronunciation right because i don't want to like disrespect the goat um but mrs mrs ribeiro i hope i'm pronouncing that right sorry if i'm not um it's a great poem she performed this one too uh excellent poem a lot of detail the auditory detail that she uses to describe this principle the swish of silk saris and the jingle jangle of jingle jangle of bangles that's a bar on thin wrists like wind chimes this is what learning sounds like i remember excellent that's excellent i i can't believe i'm keep i'm gonna keep using that word by the way excellent um great awesome amazing um very nostalgia heavy, very reminiscent, very like, I'm old now. Let me look back and talk about this in a way that does it justice, right? Because maybe five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, she wouldn't have had the language to, to do credit to such a um, a towering figure in her life. Maybe towering is the wrong word, but you know what I'm trying to say, like icon, legendary, someone that she admires, looks up to, Um. And it's great. It's embarrassing because it's like I <laughs> she like just tells all the all the little things about when she was a kid. And, you know, some people look back on their childhood and like, oh, they cringe and they're like, oh, I can't believe I did this. And she lets she lays it out flat and full. Like once when I got close enough to grab a fistful of her draping silk, sorry, I lifted it to try to see whether she had any feet at all. I thought she floated. That's embarrassing, but it's cute. It's awesome, and I'm glad that she put it in there. It's a very excellent, it's a good detail. Very soft, very touching one. You can hear and see everything about this poem. Uh, start Starting third stanza, we begged to be sent to her office. The hanging plants like a jungle above our heads, her quiet laughter. Adults needed appointments, but we did not. I'm not too far removed from school to know what it's like to step into like the front office. Hanging plants like a jungle above our heads. Her quiet laughter. Her quiet laughter. What a descriptor. You know what I'm saying? What a description. Um, but yeah, she just throughout the poem, she just creates, not creates, but like tells, tells us about this awesome, this awesome lady, right? She brought us guests and artists in a petting zoo. Right. She asked if he was tame enough to go inside. She had a llama. She had there was a llama. The the whole um the whole anecdote about this llama and Miss Miss Ribeiro interacting with this llama is absolutely awesome. It just gives cr- credit to her character. It just gives credit to the poem. It gives credit to just Sarah Kay because what a detail. What a what an experience. She and the llama considered each other for a long time. She asked if he was tame enough to go inside. Then then she goes on to say, so she led him to the elevator, right? And then there stood Miss Ribeiro in her bright pink sari with golden bangles and a llama on a leash. And that's all the detail we need to get the picture. And what an excellent picture it is, right? She floated from class to class. This is And this is throwing it back to her, like the whole lifting the sari up to see if she if she had legs because I thought she floated. This is just the way that she walked, walked in such a way that she looked like she floated. Um, and then and then we come full we come full circle. Well, before we come full circle, we no Yeah, we, we, we come full circle. Um, right. We get this awesome experience with Miss Ribeiro about the llama and just how much we love her. And then we get the point of it all. She taught us to share. She taught us to listen when someone else is speaking. And then she let us go. We were dandelion seeds released to the wind. She asked for no return. We are saplings now with gentle hands. Gentle hands like the same hands Miss Ribeiro carried them with. Boom. Look at that. I'm just making the connections for you guys. Um, 
and then she uh she kind of like I don't I don't know what to call this, but it's 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 just more of a credit to Miss Miss Vera, like the girl with bright cheeks and messy hairpins now works at the orphanage in Cameroon. The boy with the color coded markers is now a graphic designer in Chicago. The one with the best diorama is now an animal activist in Argentina. The girl who loved to read out loud is now a poet in India. She let us fly. You know, so this is this is this is almost like um. This is almost like a, a, a I love you to teachers and educators across the world, right? For letting your students fly, because when you let your students fly, they 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 reach far corners of the world: Cameroon, Chicago, Argentina, India. Crazy, insane, bro. And then, like I said, full circle. So I find myself at the front of a classroom. My students tug at my sleeves and ask me, Miss, do all poets have crazy hair and big black boots? Like, so now we're, you know, we're, 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 we're where we started, you know? It's such a, um, it's such a wonderful full circle um, poem. Um, all Their Wild Wonder, that's the title of one of her other books too, right? Um, and then she ends the poem with the stanza, I tell them, listen, and she capitalizes it, right? She capitalizes the word listen to tell you, like, this is important. Like, I tell them, listen, listen to one another like, you know, you are scholars, artists, scientists, athletes, musicians, like, you know, you will be the ones to shape this world. Show me how many colors you know how to draw with. Show me how proud you are of what you have learned. And I promise I will do the same. So this uh, reciprocity. Because reciprocity is important in any relationship that you have, whether it's between teacher, student, like administrator, student, like reciprocity, it matters. And it mattered to her, especially as when, when you're a young kid, just dreaming, just just dreaming dreams, right? Dreaming of what could be, what you can be. And, you know, you want to show it off. You want to be told like, yeah, I believe in you. Someone that you admire, right? You want to miss with to be like, yeah. Tell me more. Show me how many colors you can color with. Right. And I'll show me how proud you are of what you've learned. And I'll promise I'll do the same. Um, yeah, that's a great, great poem. And that is how we end the first section of our book. So that was section one of No Matter the Wreckage, a collection of poems by Sarah Kay. You can get the book on Amazon or find it in some bookstore. It's, it's a I'm not going to say it's an old book because that's a little disrespectful. It's not the youngest book out there in the world. Um, it's an oldie but goodie. How about that? Um, excellent book. Excellent book with excellent poems. And next week we can dive into section two and get into the poems in there. But like I've been saying, I'm a big fan of Sarah Kay. I'm a big fan of her poems. Um, the first section, it took about an hour you see how much I can talk. If you're into that, cool. If you're not into that, that's cool too. Um, but this is probably how I'm gonna go, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna change it. I might shorten some stuff because there's some things I talked about that didn't, I didn't need to talk about. Um, but I'm getting better. First episode of podcast done, over with, and I'll see you all next week.